Hello everybody this is Subrat from the Sparking Entrepreneur and today we have Rachel Redway a certified professional coach mentor and consultant who helps experienced and emerging women leaders find clarity find their voice and navigate change she specializes in include communication and leadership self care and preventing burnout and building a safe inclusive organizational culture she strongly believes that leadership is not about your title It's about the way you get others to align with and work towards a shared vision or goal regardless of the size of your community team or organization so without further delay let's welcome Rachel Rachel welcome to the show Subrat thank you so much for having me I'm thrilled to be here and talk with you about this Awesome Rachel let's start from your journey first what exactly inspired you to become a coach how did you get started in this profession So the funny thing is I actually started thinking about coaching about 12 or 13 years ago wow. when I had a chance to attend an introductory seminar at one of the big coaching institutes in the United States. And I really liked what they were talking about and the program. It was very exciting. It just wasn't quite the right time and the program was spread out over a year. You do a weekend every quarter and just didn't it didn't grab me right then but i thought about it for a while and then life happened and i just put the thought aside last year i had the opportunity to invest in a an intensive advanced coaching program so it was a month in vancouver canada shout out to ericsson coaching international which is the program that i took and i absolutely loved it 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 resonated with me on a number of different levels and felt like it was a continuation of a lot of things that i had been doing both in my job and in my life for a while and it tied a number of things together so i went through the program i got certified the plan originally was to do the coaching business on the side and build it up slowly as i was still working my full time job then of course life happened and in the tech industry where i was working at the time things happened very quickly my job ended and i decided to make this the coaching business my full time work and i couldn't be more excited about it because it is such a good fit for so many reasons and i love what i do i love working with my clients and helping people achieve their goals and do a lot more and what's even more exciting for me is that the specific niche that i chose really ties in with all of the work that i'd been doing in the past few years around women leaders and organizational culture and inclusion and creating psychologically safe spaces mm. and communication which is something that i've had a background in for many years and how it is going on now so it's going great it's still early days but i have success stories and i have wonderful clients and i am i'm loving it awesome okay rachel what do you think that what are the most important qualities for a successful coach to possess and that is such a great question because as i'm a member of a bunch of different communities with a lot of different coaches and there are so many different approaches to coaching and styles of coaching and types of coaching and what's interesting to me is There are some people who think about coaching as like sports coaching, right? So it's really trying to push you in one direction to improve your skill obviously and to 
help with whatever the specific issue is. But it's a very different type of coaching than the kind of coaching that I do and that I was trained to do. I really think that listening is, I think there are two. I think listening is one of the top qualities that, that coaches need. There's temptation when people are talking to you, when you're listening to your clients, to just jump in and help them. You want to answer their questions. You want to give them direction. That's not the real listening that a coach needs to do. The fundamental belief in coaching is that the client has the answer already. They have the knowledge within themselves. And it's the coach's job to pull that knowledge out of them, to help them uncover it. And the only way you can do that is by really deep listening. And that means not just to their words, but to the things they don't say. It's mm-hmm. their body language. It's their facial expression. It's their, if they sigh or they get emotional or all kinds of things. So really deep listening. And the other is a desire to serve. Because you can't help your client if you don't really want to serve their best purpose. You may hear someone tell you something that doesn't align with your own beliefs. In coaching, it doesn't matter. It's not about your beliefs. It's about what is going to serve your client the best, the yeah. most effectively. So I think that would those would be my two top. Uh, so Rachel, uh, do you only one-on-one coaching? Do you have any group coaching options or do you have any online program? What kind of like options are available for if anyone wants to get coaching from you? So right now I do one-on-one. I am thinking about doing some group programs. I'm in the sort of early stages of thinking about what I might want to do and what I might want to offer and what that looks like. Uh, if anybody wants to reach out to me with some suggestions, I'm happy to talk to them. I also do consulting, so that's a little bit more of a group uh-huh. kind of option. But mo- the most solid option right now is the one-on-one. And then stay tuned because I think there will be more to come. All the things are the, on the way. Exactly. Okay, Rachel, how do you approach working with clients who are really struggling to achieve their goals? So it really depends on a couple of things. We all have little voices in our head, little gremlins, sometimes we call them, or obstacles. There are reasons why we're not achieving what we want to achieve or what we say we want to achieve. And there can be different reasons for those. And you have to figure out the reasons or the root causes before you can address them. Sometimes it's fairly clear and you can just deal with those gremlins and you can talk about You know, maybe it's a fear of something. Maybe it's a fear of success. Maybe it's a fear of failure. Maybe it's a fear of moving forward. There are a lot of different fears that could come up, right? And there are ways of dealing with those fears or those gremlins. And you can look at where did it come from? What did it originally serve? How did it originally serve you? Because there's a reason that they've come up, right? The other thing is there could be a values conflict. So I had a client who was telling me that she really wanted to do this particular thing in her work. But when we started looking more deeply into her values, it was clear that she thought that the two of those things couldn't actually work together. Mm-hmm. And that's what was holding her back. Mm-hmm. And when we started looking at ways where she could align her values more with the work that she wanted to do, The path just opened up. Things just cleared Mm -hmm. and she was able to move forward. So 
thinking about what's really important to you and getting rid of the shoulds and the have tos and the other things that are blocking you mm. can be really amazing ways to see progress and to move forward. Correct. Rachel, you know, as we are humans, each and every day, we have to deal with some kind of problems, challenges, difficulties in our life. And when you are an entrepreneur or a coach, the things is double. So how do you stay motivated and continue grow as a coach? A great question. And actually two questions, because I'm a lifelong learner. I love to learn new things. And so one of the ways that I grow is by learning about things that can help me both as a human, as an individual, and as a coach. And oh my God, I, I've gone to a number of coaching summits recently where I feel like it's the fire hose is on and I've gotten all kinds of information and I'm still processing a lot of that and going through a lot of recordings and readings and things that, you know, that I can learn from. There are also some areas of specialization that I'm really interested in and want to do some more training in, but I need to pace that and not try to do it all at one time. Then there's the motivation part that you asked about, which is, it can be hard sometimes. As you said, we all go through all of our issues all the time, both as humans. And then when you're a coach and you have a coaching client coming up in 20 minutes, you have to put this face on and yeah. smile and, and greet your client and take your personality and yourself and your issues out of the equation. I have been just working a lot on, first of all, support network. So joining accountability groups with other coaches. I just joined one and actually there's another one that might happen soon. So that's really helpful, talking with other people who are dealing with similar challenges to what I'm dealing with. And then I also just finished a program called Positive Intelligence. Shirzad Shamin put out a book around this. So this is a very popular thing. And he has a program specifically for coaches. And the program is about really looking at the saboteurs that jump in when you're facing a challenge or an obstacle. What are those? They're all internal, these voices that yeah. I mentioned before. Good. What are they saying to you? Where are they coming from? And how can you train yourself to raise your positive intelligence and deal with those challenges from your, he calls it a sage mind or your wise mind, mm -hmm. rather than the saboteurs that are just trying to, they're there for a good reason. They're there to protect you. Yeah. How can you approach the problem from another perspective? So that's something that I am always working on. Awesome. Great. Okay, Rachel, how do you balance holding your client accountable while also being compassionate and supportive? So different clients really want and need different approaches. Some actually don't, aren't that interested in being held accountable, although that is something that as a coach, I want to be able to do. Yeah, I have a prep sheet that I always send to clients about a week before our next session because I typically do two sessions a month. So mm -hmm. in between, I'll send them the prep sheet. And the sheet is a way for them to gather their thoughts, think about what's happened since our last session, think about any insights or reflections that have come to them in, the, in that time and space, and think about what they want to focus on in our next session. That's one way. Now, I've had clients who've said to me, this is great. I love it. Please keep sending this to me. It really helps me focus. Mm -hmm. And I had one client who said, you know what? This is great, but I can do this on my own. You don't need to send it to me. 
she was super focused and very disciplined. And she would just come in and she would basically tell me all the things that were on the sheet anyway. So I need to meet the clients where they are and figure out what they're looking for for me. In terms of the compassion and support, I lead with empathy. Empathy is one of my top one of my top qualities. And it's always about, for me, understanding or trying to understand at least what the client needs from me and where they are and finding that balance between gently prompting them and pushing them and challenging them where necessary, but also supporting them, being there for them, letting them know that I am in their corner. I am on their side. Yeah. And that's why I do what I do. Great. Rachel, as you see that nowadays, artificial intelligence like entering each and every field. So what do you think that what kind of impact that AI is going to have on the coaching industry in future? This is interesting. I think I am very <laughs> in the moment. I have a lot of friends and colleagues who are using AI and chat GPT and other of the AI platforms and tools for a lot of different things and finding it really useful. As someone who has been in personal communications, interpersonal communications and intercultural communications my entire life, I'm not sure that I'm as open to using it for the kinds of things that I do. So I think that there are ways that we can, basically ChatGPT is the hive mind, right? I think there are ways that it can be leveraged. I just caution people against taking what it comes out with as the truth and I don't know. I don't have a good answer for this because I think there there always has to be a balance. And I think we don't know what we don't know. We're just going to have to see where it comes out. I don't think there's any way to actually replace the one-on-one human relationship that coaching is. But there might be ways that AI can help, can help and provide support in between sessions or I don't know. Like they can do the technical things, but it would be very hard for AI to do the emotional thing because AI is always runs through the informations and we people, we humans are always driven through the emotions. So generating that level of emotion would be hard for the AI. Exactly. And I think we've already seen some examples of where AI came up with its own emotion and it was a little bit disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. I, we, I don't think we would want it interfering in that side of things. Okay, Rachel, can you share any example of your coaching success story and what do you believe contributed to its success? Absolutely. I, I had a recent success story with a client. I should say the client had a success story because it wasn't mine. It was hers. I have a client who is a leader in a, in a chapter of a global nonprofit organization. And she was asked recently to take on an entirely new area of responsibility and a new team. And there was going to be no additional compensation for this job. She was going to get the regular cost of living increase that everybody in the organization was getting, but she wasn't going to be given more for this entirely new area. And she came to me and she wanted to talk about building her self-confidence and her self-advocacy ability so that she could deal with issues like this and stand up for herself. That was actually our very first coaching session together. 
And I talked with her a week later and we went through the whole session. She was excited when she left the session and we were going to connect at the following session. We talked in between and she told me that her boss had actually asked her sooner than she was prepared to talk mm. how she was feeling about this situation. And she was so confident after our session that she went, she was originally going to ask for a 5% increase. She asked for a 25% increase and oh. she got it. Oh. And I was awesome. so excited for her. I was like jumping up and down when she told me this. And it was all her. It was about getting her to understand all that she had accomplished mm. for the organization and in her life and what she really deserved. And it was, she took it to heart and she was able to use it and she was able to be courageous and go forward and talk about what she needed and wanted and why it was important and why she deserved it. Yeah, like it was a really great story. And also, whenever you are just working with your clients and your clients is getting result or like doing the things that they wanted to do, that gives always a wonderful feelings to do more and more the things for your client. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, I was jumping up and down for her because I was so happy for her. And we've had a number of really good sessions since then. And she continued to bring more value to her organization and feel better about herself and what she's mm. doing and what she's capable of doing. So this and is why we do it. This is why and, coaches. Yeah. And most importantly, uh, she is happy. That is the exactly. most. Exactly. Exactly. And this is why we coach. Okay, Rachel, let's talk about some misconceptions as that every industry has some kind of misconception. So what are some common misconceptions about coaching? So I think there are a few. One of them I alluded to a little bit earlier, which is that coaches in some areas, coaching is a little better understood. But sometimes we frequently run across people who don't have experience with coaching and don't really know what it is about. And I think it can be confused a lot of the time with teaching, with consulting, with mentoring, especially, that's a big one, with advising. And coaching is really none of those things. Yeah. Erickson, again, the institute that I went through, has a great graphic that demonstrates this. It's a, a four by four matrix and shows the different modalities that I just mentioned. And therapy, of course, is another one. And there are, there are a bunch. And it shows, I wish I had it in front of me. I don't at the moment. But coaching is not about telling people what to do. And it's not about teaching them how to do something necessarily, unless, unless that comes through their own understanding of what, and what yeah. they're getting. As I mentioned before, coaching is really about helping the client uncover the answers within themselves. And there are different ways you can, excuse me, you can do that. My throat's really dry. Hold on a second. But it's about working with them and asking them the right kinds of questions to help them find their own answers. And it can be so tempting, both on the coach side and on the client side. The clients are sometimes like, just tell me the answer. I know you know it. I want it. Please just help me. Yeah. And sometimes the coach really wants to be able to give the client some help and give them an answer. And 
if you are an International Coaching Federation coach, for example, I am a member of the ICS, there are ethical guidelines that you have to abide by. And some of those ethical guidelines have to do with the way you are interacting with and working with your client and how you are helping them. And so if I'm ever in a situation where a client really just wants me to tell them an answer or give them a hint about something, I will very clearly say, okay, so at this moment, you want me to take off my coaching hat and put on my mentor hat or my advisor hat or my consultant hat, whatever the specific scenario mm -hmm. is asking. And they'll say yes, and I'll do that. And then I will give them whatever I can from that perspective. And mm -hmm. then we'll go back to the coaching. Yeah. But I think that is a big misperception among people who don't have experience with coaching is that this could be something that just, you know, I just go to a coach and I get all the answers. <laughs> you might get all the answers, but the coach isn't going to just hand them to you. There is some work involved and the client has to be committed to that and has to want to do that kind of work. Coaching mm -hmm. isn't for everybody. Okay, Rachel, now imagine that you are writing your autobiography. How do you name it and why? I love this. So there is a book and it is called The Secret Language of Birthdays. And I got this book when I was a child and I was, or maybe a teenager, and I was totally fascinated with it. And it has a day, it has two pages for every day of the year. So you can look up your birthday and you learn it's astrology and some other things all tied up together. And my birthday, which is April 6th, if anybody wants to send me flowers, <laughs> happens to be called the day of the experimenter. Oh. And that suits me incredibly well. I have experimented a lot. I have lived in nine different countries. I have had multiple careers. You learn to, to try things out. And if they fail, you move on. You try something else. I experiment with food. I experiment with all kinds of things. So if I were going to write an autobiography, I think it would be called The Experimenter's Journey. And the journey, of course, would include all of the countries I've lived in and all the travels and all of the other things, but also the internal journey with all of the different pieces of my life and how they fit together. Yeah. Okay. So when can we expect your book? Oh yeah. Anytime now. I think I need to get to retirement first. I don't, I, ha I haven't had time to write a book recently, but it definitely is in there. A lot of people have asked me for it. Expect it. I don't know. A few years from now. Yeah. Okay, Rachel, before wrap up our podcast today, any final message that you would want to say with our listener? I would just love to invite your listeners to come talk to me if there's anything that they'd like to explore. So I am here to serve. If you have something that you are trying to achieve or something that you are stuck in, particularly if it's around women in leadership or organizational culture or communication or anything like that, I also coach on other topics too please feel free to reach out to me. I offer a free call and wow. I'd love to learn more about you and your challenges or your goals and how I can help. And they can do that by going to rercoaching.com. And tell us about your Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, or any other social media platform so that our audience can find you and get in touch with you. So that really the best way is through my website. I do have a a new page on Facebook, but, and, and you can reach me on LinkedIn as well. It's Rachel Radway, R-A-D-W-A-Y. 
but really LinkedIn and my website are the best ways. I'm still, I'm not on Insta. I'm not on TikTok. We'll figure out if I decide to do that later, but the website and the LinkedIn are the best. Awesome. Guys, do make sure you follow Rachel as she's a wonderful person with great personality and you can reach out to her according to your coaching needs. So that was today's episode of Sparking Entrepreneur. So thank you, Rachel, for being on this and it was an honor to visiting you today. Oh, thank you, Sabrat. It was an honor to be here talking with you about this topic that I love. Thanks again, Rachel. So that's it. I am your host, Subrat, signing off. And you guys have a wonderful day. Bye, guys.